Thank you for joining us for Friends and Followers, a podcast brought to you by the Seton Shrine, where stories of those who were inspired by Mother Seton's life and mission are shared. It is our hope that you might find inspiration as well, and a deeper understanding about who Elizabeth Nancy is. And you can subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes. We hope that you enjoyed them. Thank you. Okay, so today we're going to talk about Isabel Graham. Um, Isabella Graham would start with Elizabeth and um, several other very prominent women in New York City, um, the Society for the Relief of Poor Widows and Small Children. Okay. And now this is when she was in New York. Right. She's married. Elizabeth is married. Yeah. yeah. She's still an Episcopalian. So right. this is before her conversion. And- yeah. Right around 1795 is when this starts. Okay. The reason we're talking about her now is because June 23rd is International Widows Day. And it's not that, I don't wanna say it's not important, it's not as um, necessary to recognize widows, I guess, in the United States, because we do help people more than other countries. Well, I think the trend has changed Mm -hmm. for the awareness of widows or widowers. Like it's just vastly different than it was 200 years ago, even 100 years ago, or maybe even 75 years ago. Yeah, I mean, in other parts of the world, it is a human rights situation. I mean, a violation of human rights. And they were ostracized, you know, where anybody that lost their spouse, it seemed like they changed in their status. Right. um, Socially, right? right? Yeah, so in countries today that this is a problem, women find themselves in poverty. In some countries, these women are denied inheritance and land rights, evicted from their homes, abused. The children of widows often find themselves affected um, in school, they become withdrawn and abused. Become also more vulnerable. Right. So this was similar to the problems we were having here in the United States in the late 1700s. I mean, there had been several wars, the French and Indian War, the Revolutionary War, which created some widows, but really it was the epidemic of the yellow fever. So, for example, in 1795, in the city of Philadelphia alone, over 5,000 people died from just yellow fever. So that was hitting New York as well, and there were a lot of widows and orphans being created from that. So it was becoming a problem. Yeah. They had, which I didn't even realize until I was studying this, they had poor houses where women and children would move into, and you gave up everything you owned so they could sell it to pay for your room and board, really. Sometimes the women would be separated from their children. Um, and so it was it was a problem. And this is, to me, where you really see Elizabeth start that charity work. We hear about it before this. We hear about her being taught by her stepmother and stuff to do charitable works but it's really with these women that her and her sister in law Rebecca they're visiting them every day they're sitting with them and talking with them bringing them food that you really start to see that compassion mm-hmm. for these these women that have lost their spouses and I think it's important like to note that for Elizabeth you know when her husband went through bankruptcy in 1803 they lose some things we have that list where you know of everything they owned and she makes the comment that they they had to even put on their their children's clothing and they lose some things but it's not until her husband dies 
that she really loses everything. That's when yeah. she loses her home. That's when she loses most of her money because the potential for income is gone. He's gone. dead. Yeah, and so, on top of that, she's also in discernment, uh, converting to the Catholic faith, right. which is even more problematic, more of a hardship for her right. because New York is is Protestant. You know, right. even her Episcopalian right. family and friends do not believe in the Catholic faith. They have prejudice against the Catholics, and now she then you know joining them so she's like yeah doubling out at a risk of really just being ostracized as a widow yeah i think about that i think about like you know here elizabeth is helping these women she even you know makes this comment that it's such a bad situation and she's going to their homes and they're so poor she gets to go home yeah to her nice home but now by 1804 She's the widow. She, she's experiencing it firsthand. Yeah. And I think it's it very humbling. Really, <laughs> very humbling, but it really, you know, changed her perspective. And it actually, I think, shaped her for what was to come next in her life. Yeah. Right. Like, regardless, it's sort of, Elizabeth was already being a servant, a servant of God, servant right. for all people, like sharing God's love. Because even during that time of working with the Widow Society, she ran a prayer circle too, and that group of women followed Elizabeth mm -hmm. through the charitable books. But really, like, who is Isabel Graham though? Because yeah, not, so to, like, not to go onto a whole shift. <laughs> That's who we're talking but, about, <laughs> right? Not to go on a whole um, shift, but like, really, who is Isabella Graham? So Isabel Graham was actually born in Scotland. So she was born in 1742. So she's like 30 years older than Elizabeth. And um, she marries pretty well. She's pretty well off herself. And, and she marries pretty well. She's a charity worker, an educator, very similar to to Elizabeth in that aspect. Oh, and like um, the lifeline, like yeah. where they came from, the society, the class they grew up right. in. Okay. Right. Now her husband is in the military. Um, and so they do leave Scotland. They actually go to Canada for a while. And that's where four of her children are born. Um, and then when she is, um, I guess they're, they leave Canada and they go to Antigua, which is in the Caribbean. She's pregnant with her fifth child and her husband dies. So she finds herself far away from home, just arriving there, pregnant, all these little children, and she's a widow. And she, so she's left with nothing. And so she goes back to Scotland. Um, her father wants her back in Scotland. And so she does go back there for a while, starts raising her family there. But by 1780, she really wants to come back to the United States. So she starts working towards that she knows people here in the United States. Um, she has a really good friend, Dr. Witherspoon, who wants her to come to New York City. So she finally makes it here by 1789. So her youngest child is around Elizabeth's age. So all of her children are also older than Elizabeth. So when she starts this widow society, her oldest daughter is part of it, is, is doing it with her. But um, when she comes to New York City, she starts a school for girls, again, very similar to what Elizabeth was doing. Um, side note, um, when William Henry Harrison, who becomes president, his wife attended her school in New York. Um, and so it is shortly after that, around 1795 to 1797, they start this society for the relief of poor widows and small children.
Um, this is one of the first charitable organizations in the United States. Oh, wow. And it is certainly one of the first that was run by women who were taking control of it. Um, and as I said before, it was to give some relief to those women who had lost their husbands due to the yellow fever. Um, so Isabel Graham wrote herself about her work, an association of ladies for the relief of the destitute workers and orphans was a new thing in this country. It was feeble in its origins, the jest of most, the ridicule of many, and it met with the opposition of not a few. The men could not allow our sex the steadiness and perseverance necessary to establish such an undertaking. So they were met with resistance. You know, women couldn't, were seen as, you can't do this, you can't handle this. Well, it of work. And right. so even in that time, especially of the social class that obviously Isabella and even Elizabeth were in, it wasn't really kosher to be a working woman in that upper class, right? Yeah. Wouldn't they got affected if yeah, being ridiculed and, and not taken seriously? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the class system, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. we've even encountered that in our um, research here at the school. If you didn't mix classes, you didn't go that way. So for these women, prominent women, to be going to these women that were very much in need and were poor, considered unclean, things like that. That would have been... Well, well here's my question. How did Elizabeth cross paths with Isabella Graham? Like, if Isabella Graham founded the Women's Relief Society, um, like, how I'm, did Elizabeth get mixed up in it? I'm not really sure about that because you don't really see a lot of comments about it. You just see Elizabeth as being one of the founders. She was the treasurer. Um, the only thing I can guess is just this is the group of friends that they had, the society that they ran in, kind of. Um, I think Elizabeth's father being a doctor, very involved with yellow fever, Elizabeth was very well aware of what was happening. Yeah, um, she naturally had the compassion for those affected by it, so right. which would lead to those that were poor. Mm -hmm. And she probably saw through that the social injustice that was starting to come from that. Yeah, and she had some really important friends too, Catherine Duplex, um, Eliza Sadler. I mean, they lived right next door to Alexander Hamilton and his wife, who she was one of the first people to be involved as well. So I think just the circle of friends that she had. But it was also really Rebecca. Remember Rebecca, her sister-in-law, who this is what she did. Every morning she went and, and did these charitable works, and Elizabeth tagged along with that and they both became involved with this society of helping these women so i think this is where it's like you were saying earlier where you kind of see that extra layer of elizabeth like yeah she was concerned about people but now she's active now she's really getting to put a face on her cause like she's getting to know these people personally i think we see that continue even when she's in baltimore i think that's how she got to know um Bridget Farrell and Margaret George because they were widows and I think she was helping them through that time. So this is not something that stops for Elizabeth. This is something she continues to be very concerned about. Yeah. It may transform from my organization to organization, mm -hmm. but it is a work that she continues even mm -hmm. as a sister of charity of St. Joseph. Right.
it was very important to her. And and even when she's in Italy, what does Felicity give her? But you know, Francis de Sales devout life. What chapter does she focus on? The chapter on widows. Now she's a new widow herself, but she just so relates to those women and she related to them before she was a widow, which I just find so interesting. Um, and so you're right, it becomes part of her order. And um, she so much so wants it to stay part of her order that she thinks about not continuing to be a sister. Like if this is gonna be a make or break, then I don't wanna continue, you know? Um, so, from something more than just the education side. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So she, um, she comes to that situation. Do you remember in the fall of 1810 when um, they're deciding what the rules are going to be like, what, it, what it's going to be here. And, um, and Elizabeth is concerned. She's afraid that they're not going to be, that she's not going to be able to stay being a sister of charity because they're not gonna allow um, widows and widows with children. Yeah. So it's so weird because I know we're kind of getting off a little bit maybe, but even when you look at where this all started and who they were marrying, the Sisters of Charity St. Joseph was going to mirror, mirror the Daughters of Charity for Paris France 200 years before, and who was Louise de Merlot? Also oh, a widow. Right. And a widow with a child because she right. did have a son. She had a son. Yeah. So it's just funny that that even, you know, when they were looking to ratify that they became concerned over that. Right. So huh. um, the rule of St. Vincent required that widows with children seeking admission into the society should have previously so arranged the temporal concerns of their children as to be free from all claims in regard to their maintenance or direction. Mother Seton, as the guardian of her children, was not in this position, and her eligibility, therefore, for the community became the subject of discussion by Father Dubois. So she, the rule that St. Vincent, the rule is, if you want to be a daughter, you have to make arrangements for your children. You cannot have them with you. Oh. So this becomes an issue for Elizabeth yeah, because she saw that. that in New York. She saw women being separated from the children, women having to give up their children, not being able to be mothers, and she was not going to do that. Wow, I didn't know that. I totally glazed over all that. <laughs> and wow. I think it's interesting because, you know, what was she going to do? Most of her family had turned against her. Like, she was kind of out of options. Um, and she's always been for her children. Yeah. Yeah. And she could have, she could have said, well, I'm going to stay here and I'll send, send my children back to New York. And, and even Julia Scott, remember, said that she would take um, Anna Maria. She said she would take Rebecca. Like all, she was always offering to take her daughter. So she could have sent her children away. Um, and she is firm that she will not. So this becomes a discussion with Father Dubois and Archbishop Carroll. Like, what are we like? Should we keep her basically you know are we willing to break this rule for her yeah you know and so she says when she's writing a friend by the law of the church i so much love i could never take an obligation which interfered with my duties to my children except i had an independent guardian and provision for them which the whole world could not supply to my judgment of a mother's duty so 
basically like no one can give my kids what I can give them. Yeah. And I think that's so great. And, and it's so great because she, she had no money. I mean, she, real was she going to go? She probably had a better chance of someone taking her kids than taking her and her kids, you know? So I think it's a very, she's being very strong. Um, to another friend, she writes, I could never have imagined in this world a situation more in harmony with my disposition, my sentiments, and my taste for peace. Enjoying the liberty of solitude and country life with all the advantage, advantages of intellectual occupation. To think of living away from this valley would seem to me impossible if I belonged to myself. But my dear children have the first right, which must ever remain inviolable. That is why I have made a solemn engagement before our good Archbishop, as well as with my own conscience, to prefer before all things the advantage of my children. If it happened that I should choose between what I owe to them and other duties to which I was pledged. So she's saying, I, I don't want to leave. I love it here. And if it was just me, I would stay. But my children have the first right to my time. And luckily for us, there was an exception that was made to the rule after all, and that was in regards to widow. Uh, so it favored Mother Seton permitting her to, uh, to continue to act as her legal guardian to her children, even when she took her vows. Right. You know that. Right. So my, my question is, where where's Isabel Isabella Grant? Is she still in the picture? Are they still in contact with yeah, each other? Yeah. There's no letters between them. Okay. Um, and I've always wondered about that too. Like when Elizabeth came back, how did her friends treat her? Was that like uncomfortable kind of situation of, well, you're now a widow <laughs> that we should be visiting. Um, we, there's nothing about that. It seems like her friends are still her friends. You know, Eliza Sadler, Catherine Duplex, Julia Scott, they treat her just the same. They didn't agree with her entirely. About becoming Catholic. Them, about becoming exactly. Catholic, but um, they supported her choices yeah. in a way yeah. of serving God and being a servant. Right. Serving the community. and. Yeah, but Isabel Ram, I mean, she, she Elizabeth doesn't write about her anymore. I, as far as I can tell, she doesn't continue being part of that. I think at that point, when she comes back from Italy, she needs to find a place to live. She's... She tries many different ways to come up with a job to do. Mm -hmm. So I think she's kind of not doing that anymore. And also remember when Rebecca dies after Elizabeth returns, she writes, all of that is gone. Like all of that work we shared together. And she even mentions visiting the widows that is all gone now. So I think at that point she kind of puts an end to that. Elizabeth Graham lives another 10 years to 1814 and she starts a school and she continues with her, her work. And the society continues today. I mean, it's still that work for widows and children is still there today. Um, it kind of evolved, I think, over time, but it certainly helped, I think, um, somewhere in a statistic here that um, in the time that Isabel Graham was there between 1797, 1798, when, when Elizabeth was there as well, they ate at 98 widows and over 223 children during just the winter alone between 1797, 1798. So they were helping hundreds of people. So Elizabeth saw a lot of situations. I think she got very used to 
being around widows, around children that were in need, and it, it just became part of her. And she then taught that to her sisters, taught that to the people around her. You know, you just you just do it, and you just help people in need. So is Isabella Graham pretty well known today? I mean, I didn't really know her for ten years, no. but would you say that she's well known up in New York? I would say in New York, work? maybe in other, maybe other in New York. Women pioneering, right? Because early... she started this society. Um, which was one of the earliest charities. But yeah, nationally, no. And that's what's so interesting because Elizabeth was definitely a follower of Isabel Graham. Um, I think Catherine O'Donnell in her book, she says that, um, which by the way, Elizabeth never saw their connection. Like she never saw that they were similar. And yet they were. Now maybe when she was working with her in 1797, she didn't see their similarities. But reflecting right. back on it, she should have. Right. You know? Well, even if she didn't reflect back on today, we're able to look at both their history right. and see the similarities for ourselves, even if them two didn't see it at that time. Right. I mean, it makes sense. Right. Anyway, so, what were you um, going to say? Uh, well, Catherine O'Donnell said that yet through the workings of history and memory, Seton has become a figure more kindred to Graham in death than she was in life. Elizabeth Seton has a shrine, but Isabel Graham haunts it. You know, because we don't know, you know, people will say they don't know why Elizabeth had that um, devotion to widows and small children, but it was really because she had the opportunity to work at that society that was started by Isabel Graham. And it just became something I think she learned. I think she saw that hardship of having to separate from your children, and she was not willing to do that. So I think, I think we should learn from Elizabeth and we should remember that there are still people, women out there that do lose their husbands. They lose them through disease and through illness and through war. And sometimes they're forgotten. I mean, I think even in this country, sometimes they're forgotten. We forget how hard that is. So when did the International Widows Day come about? In 2010. So okay, really so not that long ago. Wow. You know, and it's interesting because with the women that lost their husbands during war, like the Revolutionary War and stuff, they gave them a pension and they took it away, then they gave it to them and then they took it away. And it was really not until the 1900s that women were actually, and orphan children from men that died in war were actually taken care of. Even though these men had died in service protecting our country, they really didn't see the need to, to help them financially. They really became the dependent on their family. And if they didn't have family, you know, it, it was such a hardship. I mean, these people were starving. And these poor houses that came about just seemed horrific. I kind of I kind of now want to go and find my own reading resource for Isabella Graham and see yeah. if we can learn a little bit more on her. But you mentioned Catherine O'Donnell's book. Mm -hmm. um, I read the book, but again, it was a while ago now, so I need a refresher, right? If you are interested in trying to learn for yourself a little bit more on Elizabeth's work mm -hmm. within the um, the society, the Society for Relief of Poor Women, sorry, right <laughs> the Society for the Relief of Poor Widows with Small Children. It's yeah, a long it's a, title. Yeah, it is. Um, it is. Yeah, we do. Um, we do sell this book in our gift shop. Right. So if you go online, you can find Catherine O'Donnell's book. 
and I don't can't remember the title of the book. It's an American saint. American saint, Elizabeth um, Well, and I think what's what's nice is that Catherine does a really good job of showing how that changed Elizabeth. Yeah. You know, I think it was there. I think Elizabeth's compassion for people was there. The society made her active. You know, like I was saying, it put a face to those people that she always wanted to help. You know, and then when it became her, she knew what to do. Like she, she had seen so much heartache, and she was not yeah. willing to do that. And I think that, in a way, her exposure doing this work was also her first step of being a servant. Right. If you think on the pathway of seeker to servant to saint, like that was her first step in leading to being a servant, regardless of what faith she right. belonged to at that time. No, like she was still right. serving God. Right, right. Because we're being judged on how we treat other people, right? And yeah. so, yeah, I mean, this, and by her becoming that servant, really helped her seek the answers, find the answers that she needed. And we hope that you can find the answer that you're looking for yeah. if you're seeking it. Yeah. Well, thank um, you, Lisa, for sharing about Isabella Graham. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's topic. a... It's amazing, but it's still an important, they're an important sect of people that get forgotten. People don't think about widows so much today at all. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, thank you.